The Unconventional Therapist's Guide to Nothing. We are the Unconventional Therapists, and this is your guide to nothing, where each and every week we take a topic, theme, or thing, overanalyze it, and make it all make sense in the scheme of life, living, and mental health. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I am Dave, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg, the Dream Master. Greg, what's up? I'm dancing in your dreams tonight. I don't know. I don't like that. What's up? So today, Dave, thanks for spoiling my my lead up. I, are, I t- intentionally did that. <laughs> we're talking about something, dreams, obviously. They can be beautiful, terrifying, comforting sometimes. They can be unsettling, insightful, and ridiculous. But what we're going to try to do today is talk about their meaning and purpose, if they have any at all. So what is a dream? It's a series of thoughts, images, sensations that happen in your mind during REM sleep. And you, you remember REM sleep, right, Dave? What do you mean to remember it? Like, I, I still have it. <laughs> okay, good. Pretty sure, Every I, night. pretty sure I dabble in that once in a while. I got to be honest. I don't dream that often. But yeah. Yeah. I, I really don't. So you're in REM sleep when the, the areas of your brain are associated with, it, you know, imagery and emotion. They're, they're, they become more active. But you're dreaming not when you're in your deepest sleep, you're dreaming when you're closest to being awake. Did you know that? Uh, so, I mean, it, that kind of makes sense. Cause like, think about daydreams and things like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, so when you're in REM sleep though, your body has to release chemicals essentially that paralyze you so that you don't act, act your dreams out. We've talked about mm-hmm. this a little bit. Yeah. You, you can wake up this during this state and it's terrifying. And that's sleep paralysis. We talked about that with the, on the sun's episode. Um, that would be, you know, the hypnopopping state where, you, you know, you're waking up, but your body hasn't released that, um, that chemical where you get, you regain control of your body. So you wake up and you're still paralyzed. It's kind of terrifying. Yeah. Um, but today, I mean, that's enough about essentially when you're dreaming. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about like, what, what do they mean? What, what is dream analysis? Dream analysis is something that has been big at times. And I feel at other times you don't hear a peep about it. Yeah. So, Greg, when would you say it really became popular? And I'm going to take a guess. Would, would Freud be the first person who really made dream analysis or dream interpretation? Like, was he the person who put it on the, on the map? Freud, Freud put that on the map. Essentially, Freud put the subconscious on the map. Okay. So he, I mean, he really did. Like he wrote a book about dream interpretation. Good. What was life like before Freud came around? Were they talking about that stuff? Surface what, level. Did, did you never heard anybody talk about it before Freud? <laughs> no, not before Freud. No. <laughs> For, you know, you know, the two big, the two big names in dream analysis are Freud and Jung. Yeah. I mean, these guys, and they were contemporaries. They were around at the same time. It's pretty incredible. Great. So, what, what years are we talking with Freud? You know, 30s. Wow. In the same city as uh, in Vienna, in the same city as Young and Adler. 
I think there are a bunch of people that nobody knows except for. <laughs> but I mean, for us, it's like holy you're throwing shit. these names Those out. Those three like, people in the same area. It's incredible. So, so Carl Young. Yeah. And Mr. Adler. Mr. Adler, yes. Because <laughs> I forget his first name off the top of my head. But I yeah. Uh so just to give some context to who the hell we're talking about here, Carl Young, you've probably heard Greg mention numerous times on this mm. podcast. Another super important player in the psychology field, right? Adler, I don't know if we've ever talked about him, but we're both sort of, I, I assume you're a fan of Adler as much. A as huge fan, fascinated yeah. with him. Don't even want to say too much about him. No, because we've actually recently kind of chatted about how that might be a super interesting episode, even if you guys don't know anything about him. But another very influential person in psychology, and I will just kind of give this thing, like he had a lot to do with kind of, uh, coming up with characteristics about sibling order, which I, I really appreciate. Cause I, I think he nails that really. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I don't know a ton about it and that's why I'm sort of interested in it. And I want to put mm-hmm. it to the test because I have a plethora of children and I can sort of yes. map it out and see if, see if it holds water, you know? Sure. For sure. So, all right. So, so we're, we're throwing these out like, you know, so we're talking about like maybe 30 ish. I think so. I mean, so for me, Again, it's it's more about getting people thinking about this. And I think I honestly think that understanding dream interpretation or dream analysis is so important for a lot of reasons. For one thing, it's we're interpreting the meaning that could reveal something about our lives. So what I think is happening here is when you're trying to interpret a dream, you're trying to learn the language of your subconscious. Does that make any sense? But all right, I can make it make sense. So Young thought the dream is trying to tell you exactly what to do, but doesn't quite have the tools or the words to do it. So it's doing the best it can. Mm-hmm. It needs to, so, so you have this dream and then it needs to be deciphered. Ironically, I was talking to, I had this discussion with an ASL interpreter. This is a true story. This is really, this happened today. So he's out to dinner with his friends and he's having this intrusive thought and it's, and it's like, Hey, you don't like these people. You want to leave, right? So he's at a bar and he's having these, these thoughts. So his subconscious is telling him something. It's speaking a different language. It's speaking the only language. It's, it's using our language, but essentially it's using it in, in a way that doesn't make any sense because it doesn't really, it's just using, a, we're, we're interpreting what it's trying to tell us with our own language, if that makes any sense. So your subconscious is speaking to you essentially in a different language. And it's using the tools it has and what our job is to translate that. So when he was hearing his brain say, look, you don't like these people, you need to go. What his subconscious is really trying to tell him is you don't really like drinking. Every time you drink, you, you go overboard and you feel really under the weather afterwards. And that's, that's what his brain's trying to tell him. So this happens all the time. You know what I mean? Where we, where we have intrusive thoughts and we have to kind of step back and re- put them into a language that makes sense so we can understand them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what Jung's idea is just to kind of clarify when we're, when we're in dream state, our brain is, we're trying to basically make sense of our subconscious. So it's, it's trying to decode basically our subconscious and sort it out in order to help us basically move on in this situation. So if something's lingering back there, the dream state is helping us understand it so we can move past it. Right. 
hundred percent. Otherwise, I think the idea is if we don't, that's that would drive us crazy if right. we didn't do that because all these subconscious ideas, I guess, would just continue to like cause mental illness. Essentially, I, I, yeah, I guess. and we're going to talk about whether that's really what's going on or not as we go on. But I think we yeah. we need to do like the due diligence and talk about Freud, talk a little bit about Young, sure. and then. So let me let me take a, a stab at uh, Freud and his. Okay. Thought, and you can kind of tell me if I'm on track with this. Okay. So yeah, that was Young's like kind of taking that unconscious uh, way of you know us sorting through our subconscious. So with Freud, the dreams are a way for the mind to process and express the repressed emotions and desires that we are not able to basically confront when we are awake. So mostly, they're mostly heavily, yeah, so they're heavily influenced by like internal and unconscious conflicts that we have. So, and I guess Freud's idea is like during the day, your conscious mind can be pushing that back, but at night, like your true self is almost revealed and everything that's repressed, everything that's your innate desires and your sexuality and all these things sort of come to the surface and there's nothing to hold them back. And then didn't, you have to interpret what that what that's about. Didn't Freud have the quote, uh, the freaks come out at night? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Was that Houdini or or, <laughs> or Freud? Uh, I can't remember. It was one of the two. I can, I can never remember that one. I always uh, mix so those two up. I heard a cool, a couple of like, I, I think this was actually in Freud's uh, dream inter- uh, interpretation. Uh, you're talking about like two examples flying. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it wasn't in that, but flying could represent like this desire for freedom or independence being like an example. Drowning could represent like overwhelmed by emotions. But one thing I, I do think was also important to note and Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, but like it's also individualized. Mm-hmm. So it won't mean the same thing for every person. Is that correct? Was that Freud that identified it that way? A hundred percent. Okay. So, I mean, really that's, that's what we're doing in therapy. A lot of time anyways, is, you know, this, whether you, whether or not, and we'll get there, whether or not you think that this is, there's anything to like the subconscious and those meanings, taking a look inside and being sort of introspective is going to be useful no matter what, like, what, yeah. what am I thinking about? What does this really mean? Like, could it mean this? It's like getting you to examine your life and the things that could potentially sure. be wrong, you know? Sure. I'm I'm kind of under the philosophy, and I, Greg, I'm going to assume you're the same because you are a pretty analytical person too. I think there's benefit to analyzing almost anything mm-hmm. in some capacity. But you know, just for an example, a book, a movie, like we do that all the time. We take books and we take movies and we try to find themes in them, or we interpret meaning and you know try to learn from them and. That's our interpretation. Does it mean it's what was actually intended by the author or the filmmaker? Absolutely not. Almost right? never. <laughs> Almost never. Yes. I actually had a recent experience. And Greg, you know, like I, I do talk to filmmakers um, uh, to, from time to time. And I came up with this thought about their film. And it was not their thought at all. No, they were probably <laughs> like, I, I wish made my, what Yeah, no, I made my own interpretation. And they were like, no, I didn't really have that intention. But that's fine. It's up for interpretation. It's a piece of art. So go yeah. for it. No, you're right. Even Socrates talks about that. Like the saddest thing in the world is an unexamined life. Like yeah. without introspection, yeah. what are we even really doing here? And Freud also went a little bit deeper 
to kind of break down dreams and understand what they mean, he broke them down into, well, understanding the, the dream meant that you had to take the manifest content. So the manifest content is like the surface level stuff, like what's happening in the dream. For example, you're opening a box and then it's empty. Then he said, you need to take the latent content. And that's like the hidden symbolic meaning and where you're trying to see this, this manifest content, this basic stuff that's happening in the dream and kind of suggest something about it. So for example, that empty box, you're opening an empty box that could mean like, if you're interpreting the dream, it's like something about your life is unfulfilling. You're missing something. You need to make a change. It's kind of all these things, right? So yeah, that could be kind of wishy-washy, but that's got, that gets somebody thinking. So, what, is, what is going on in my life that needs, that needs work? You know, it, it's interesting. That's exactly it. Like that p- last part you just said, it's, it, you know, gets you introspective because you essentially have to connect dots. And like I said, it's individualistic. So it's like what that empty box means to you might vary based on, you know, whatever experiences you have going on, whatever situations you have going on. And that might be totally different for what I have in my life. A hundred percent. So just one more thing about him. He had this really interesting dream. I don't know if it, so I read this. I don't know if it was really a dream he had or if he made it up just to kind of make a point, but he said he had a dream where Freud was digging in a, in a house and Freud was in the basement and young comes down the stairs and he sees Freud down there. And what this suggests to Jung is, okay, so Freud discovered the subconscious. He's in the basement. He's figuring it out. And Jung walks around the basement and realizes, wow, this is like bigger than you thought. There's all these other rooms. There's all these other compartments down here. So he's kind of gently saying Freud discovered the subconscious, but his way of thinking about it, just based on sexual sexuality and desires, there's so much more to us than our, just our base desires. Like there's our subconscious is made up of, you know, tons of things, all kinds of things that, you know, make us who we are. And I think that's really interesting. Have, Have you heard that? No, not really. Yeah. There's another theory. And this one's, I thought when I read this, I was like, oh, Dave's gonna like this one. And this one's called the activation synthesis hypothesis. Okay. So what this one is, is, you know, those antiquated centers in our brain, like the limbic system, just the yeah. ones that, you know, control emotion, whatever, right? Yeah. They're turned on, but just sending meaningless messages. The frontal areas shut down, right? During dreaming, it's not working at all. So these areas prov- that provide emotion, they, pro- they, they don't, there's no reason. So they're sending these messages but the body can't respond to them because of the sleep paralysis, right? So the, the brain is sort of struggling to make sense of these messages and it searches through stored memories and creates or synthesizes a dream to match these random messages that the antiquated parts of your body that haven't shut down yet are sending your brain. So right? in this theory, there's no actual meaning. Dude, you nailed it. That is exactly what I'm saying. And it's I... kind of a bummer. I actually don't like this one. Really? I I guess, shockingly, I do kind of believe that dreams mean something. I do too. I really do. But when I was reading this, it does kind of make sense. So think of like that, like a, a famous dream, like r- you're running, you're being chased, right? And you're, but, you're, but you're not going anywhere. You can't, you can't go anywhere. So your brain's trying to make sense of this. Why can't you go anywhere? Because your fucking legs aren't moving. You know, so your brain's having like a really hard time making sense of this dream. That right? staircase just will not end. 
I'm going up a spiral staircase. I'm being chased up a spiral staircase. Oh, that's yours. And it never ends. Oh, I like that. We're going to have to get into some of these, some of these dreams and sort of maybe try to um, interpret them ourselves. And I've, I've listed a few that we can get into, but I, I agree. I think this, this, this theory is kind of a bummer. It rejects that idea that there's something, I don't know, mystical about dreams. I love that idea that there's something really powerful behind them. Like there's something sending us a message. It it makes me wonder if who, you know, when they developed this theory, is it just because people love to debunk Freud? Yeah. And I know, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. People are always bashing Freud, but listen, if you think about the idea that there's something thinking inside of us, like the id, ego, super ego, like all these things where Freud was the first one to kind of point that out. We all take it for granted now, but it's like, yeah, we're asleep. Our, our conscious mind is, is out, but like, there's still like a process happening and we're still kind of thinking, even though we're not thinking mm-hmm. what's that about. Yeah. Now like, there's absolutely. And I know, like you said, we'll get into some dream interpretation later, but there is absolutely times where my dream, I sit, like I can step away from it and be like, oh, wow. That was like, that totally represented this thing that's going on right now for me. Or, I do that, that thing or I'm just like not surprised by the dream I had based on whatever happens to be happening in my life. I actually do that. And we talk about this in class at PC and we, I, I have people like talk about their dreams because it's actually like an easy sort of fun thing to do. And then we try to interpret them. Like, what could they possibly mean? And, it, and yeah. it's kind of a funny thing. Let's talk about for a second here, just because you're Dave and I figured I'd add this into this episode let's talk a little bit about nightmares and sleep terrors yeah or night terrors you know however you want to say it so a night terror is just a bad dream or a nightmare but it happens outside of REM sleep so you're not paralyzed and it's bad though it's It's like bad you're like Like you wake up screaming you're screaming you're in total panic and it can last like 20 minutes so that's not only is that scary as hell for you Imagine like waking up next to somebody who's just shrieking and they will not snap, snap out of it. And once they do, you're the only one left like confused because they're like, oh, what happened? Is everything okay? You look like something insane just happened. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's, yeah. it's very scary. Mostly with kids, but it, it's not uncommon to happen with adults. Or, but also this could be uh, something that occurs with P- PTSD. Sure. Right. So, I, I mean, and that's kind of, I know it's like almost like a, thing we would see in a movie but for yeah. sure right you're kind of revisiting that and well, then this, the fact that that can even happen kind of like fits into the idea that dreams must mean something well when you can be haunted by by things that have actually happened and replay them in your mind well dave what you're talking about is very interesting i think of and that's kind of like leading us into nightmares which is like a horror movie of our own creation or like our brain completely turning on us knowing our subconscious knows exactly what's going to scare the hell out of us and using that to terrify us for what, right? Like, I mean, people say nightmares exist because, you know, you're in a time of your life that has, maybe you're distressed or maybe you're, you're stressed out, but I mean, it's your own personal horror movie. So, so for me in general, if I'm dreaming, that means there's a lot of stuff going on for me. I definitely dream at an increased rate, or at least I remember my dreams at an increased rate if I ha- am like overwhelmed, kind of stressed out, like they definitely increase. I rarely get night- nightmares, but I also like nightmares. Oh, Dave. It, I think they're fun. 
So I think that's actually why I don't get them very much because they yeah. don't. I actually sort of I'm like I've had times where I've woken up from a nightmare and I'd be like, oh, I wish I could go back to sleep. That was kind of fun. <laughs> I do. So I think them. you might be on an island with this one. I most probably people, am. Yeah, most people don't probably really love am. them. Yeah, but, and that's why I've included something here where if you want, if you're not like Dave. And you want to banish your nightmares and get rid of them. There is a little method to do that. Yeah, enjoy them. You Well, actually, you know what? In a sense, kind of. So what you're supposed to do is you write them down in detail. Be as, be, be as detailed as you possibly can. And then you change the dream to have it go or end the way you want it to, right? Write that down. And before you go to sleep, you sort of go over it in your head. They call it imagery rehearsal. And the idea is that just like with any other intrusive thoughts or even, even a traumatic event, some methods of, you know, getting over therapy. Yeah. Like you want to change the story. Yeah. Change the outcome. And and just the more that you repeat a story, the less impactful it becomes. And that's something I've definitely done with people. And so if you're, before you're going to bed, you're doing that thing where you're like, I'm going to think about that thing that scared the hell out of me. It kind of is like a subconscious hack to oh we we don't fear that anymore so yeah. that that nightmare won't exist but maybe your brain will come up with another one for you sure <laughs> you really sure. stressed out you know so I, I think that you know I and, you know um, it's 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 interesting that just to go back to the sleep terrors a little bit that that whole thing really interests me where you can be dreaming and your body is isn't acting the way it's supposed to and it doesn't paralyze you other things can happen too like you know sleepwalking. Um, very dangerous, right? Yeah. Also, sexsomnia. That's a thing where if you you can wake up and try to have sex with people. And I don't know if that's like some kind of like built-in excuse that people have created or if that's a real condition, but it's it was listed and I, I, I had never it, heard of it. I think it's real. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> You've had to say something. Sorry, sexomnia. My fault. <laughs> No, but I mean, there's probably too too much detail. But like, have you ever like woken up in the middle of the night, but you're not really awake, and you have like felt the desire to? And you, uh, well, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Not no, lately. I I think that you definitely <laughs> can wake up and be in different states of. Wait, you think that you? But you think you can wake up and? I think at some t- point you would like fully wake up during that. Process yeah, yeah, and, and be like, how did this happen? And then it's no longer a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And they're no longer a um, whatever a dream state, but and so I guess it's possible in a perfect world for that to happen. Both people are asleep, and no one, no one knows, no one's the wiser. It's like you both had a dream. Weird. Yeah. And then, but I mean, this is also under the assumption that the person sleeping you ne- next to you is kind of like a another consenting adult, and that might even be someone that you should possibly be doing this with. Right. Hopefully, right. you're not you in a situation where you're where you're trying this with somebody who you should not be trying this with. That's a first date like conversation. Look, there's something about me you need to know. <laughs> if we're gonna have a slumber party, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some of these possible like you know your more common dreams and their interpretations so let me know if you've had any of these being lost or trapped have you ever had that dream um trapped probably i i definitely think that most of my fears have been visited in dreams at some point in time Mm. and i do i used to i don't think about it that much i used to like 
fear being trapped in like a claustrophobic type situation. Right. So do you know what that, what, what do you think that would mean? You're feeling trapped in your real life. I would assume. I guess like, or maybe a situation like, where you feel like you can't make all the choices you would like to make, or your hands are kind of tied at times. So it's like an uncertainty about choice, a choice you're going to make. Yeah. Like you don't know the right move to make. Yeah. Or, or it could also probably mean like maybe you're, you're bottling up a lot of stuff and you don't have outlets. What about boxes? Have you ever had a dream about boxes? Like being in a box? No, I mean, not really. Just like boxes. Like opening boxes? Sure. It could be that. Because if you have boxes in your dream. Didn't you already say this though earlier? Well, no. Well, I I said my interpretation of it. And apparently when you look it up, it's a different one than what I had thought. So their their idea is boxes like having to do with secrets, right? Never. Or or maybe a secret's ready to be revealed. Never thought about boxes in my dreams. You? What about like a missing an opportunity? Wait, have you though? Miss- you didn't answer that question. What's that? Have you thought about boxes? Have you never. had dreams I've about never had a dream about boxes? Okay. Like I've, how about, I've had, like, how about being trapped? That- What's that? How about being trapped? You're asking me the questions I'm asking. Oh, you. right. Yeah. So no. 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 Uh, and I'll ask you this one. What like a missed opportunity, a bus, a plane, you're late for something. Ever have that? Not really. Well, that one would represent re- regrets. I've had this actually. So like falling or sinking. Yes, falling. That's a yes. common one. Yes, absolutely. But, here, but not to be confused, and because I think this might be different. So you ever get that feeling when you're just about to fall asleep, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you feel like you're falling, and you like jolt up, and you're like, oh. 100%. So that's that's, that's that's when you're in the hypno hypnagogic state. So hypnopompic is when you would have sleep paralysis. There might be the old hag sitting on your chest, that scary stuff where you wake up and you can't move. So hypnagogic is a little bit different. It's the hallucinations or sensations that you can have while you're about to fall asleep. And that's like falling, feeling like, feeling like you just kind of like someone dropped you out of the sky onto the couch. Yes. That's a very common one. My, my super common one that falls in line with this tripping. (laughs) Yeah. I, for some reason, start to doze off and then get the feeling like I'm walking and then I trip over something and then I, like, I feel like I'm about to fall on my face and then I realize I'm laying down in bed. Yeah, no, all the time. Like, I feel like, to me, it literally feels like the the ceiling opened up and I was dropped onto the couch and I, and I, and I wake up for a second and I'm like, what the hell is, I almost love it though. I love it when that happens. It is a wild feeling. And it's a do, great feeling. And that's, but that's what I'm talking about, Craig, right there. That's like how I embrace nightmares now. I think when I was little, nightmares did scare me quite a bit and they would like make it really hard for me to fall back asleep at times or just like give me a lot of fear. But then I just learned to appreciate them or like them somewhat. And then like the same thing with that feeling that we're describing, the more I started to like it, the less scary things start to feel. And I don't know. It's just something about embracing things that makes oh, it hundred percent. Like it just makes the whole experience feel less impactful and more like a, Hey, I can just chuckle about this and go back to sleep now. Do you think that's where people came up the, uh, with the idea for astral projection? Because it almost feels like your soul is re-entering your body. <laughs> it's something. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? No, that's true. Actually. You do feel like, did I just project out of my body? And yeah. then, like, now like, where was I, me. where yeah. have I been? It does. It, it does feel like that. It's that's that's so. So obviously, falling or sinking, we do have that, and that that's. I think this is something different. 
Um, but the the dream where you're falling off a building or sinking in in mud, you're in a state of like helplessness or you're overwhelmed and you're not happy with your current situation. It's kind of like they're kind of all like that. What about being chased? That's a common one. That's I mean, I had that. Like if I'm gonna have a nightmare, I'm either falling or being chased and I'm getting gonna get murdered. Yeah. Are you but I've I've started to fight back in my dreams more. Well, that's good because in more recent anxiety, years, avoidance, that's being chased. In more recent years, I definitely noticed that like the theme is me at some point fighting back. So uh, do you ever have a dream where you're fighting back and like you can't you're, punch? Yeah, you, you you're can so weak, so slow. I'm the guy in the wedding singer, and he punches a guy and goes, I used to be a lot stronger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's me in the dream. And I literally have that thought. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of if I'm if I was at Dave's Bar and Grill punching that punching machine, yeah, I'm like at a 900. Here it goes to this, it goes to this extent that I actually sometimes thought that it would really be like that in real life with the punching, but more this other feeling that I get where I'm trying to run, but it feels almost like there's bungee cords pulling me back. Yeah. No, I've got that. I'm running so slow and I can't run at a normal pace, but it, I had that happen so many times in dreams that I actually sort of started to blend it almost in like, I think that's how I really run, but it's not. No, dude, like that's, you know what that's gotta be like, they, it's gotta be sort of like imposter syndrome. Like, what is that? Like you're incapable or not, not enough. Like, you know, sure. No, it's definitely, it's self-doubt. Oh, it, absolutely, I always, right? I always took that as self-doubt. I had this crazy elaborate dream where I was beating the crap out of somebody from high school and it was like a 20 minute fight. I had to punch this person a million times in order to make any sort of impact. Yeah. But I was, I just kept punching them, but it was the weakest punches ever. So I'm like, I got to keep going. And I was like beating the crap out of this person with punches that like were like baby fists. Death by a thousand, you know, needles. <laughs> I was like throwing him around the room and then going up and punching him with like the weakest punch in the world. Dude, that's, I, I, honestly, that's a terrifying dream for me. Like being inadequate i think that's the trap another great so this goes back to uh sort of the topic we were talking about uh with toxic masculinity that idea of like a standard that we're supposed to meet and when we don't Mm -hmm. we feel inadequate to that standard and i expressed at times having that feeling when i was younger so i think that's why that kind of dream was so prevalent for me i always kind of felt like if I like, you know, punching would be a perfect example. I always felt like if I punch, maybe I'm not, I don't know how to punch or uh-huh. maybe it's not going to be strong enough. Or so why fight? I think I told you, I'd never punched a person in real life. I think yeah. That's Cause my I dreams, I was punching people and being embarrassed all the time. Only in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Only in my dreams. I was the worst. So yeah. No one. Hey, what about teeth falling out? Never. That's a common one. Never heard of that before. You know, w- want to know why you've never heard of it? Because it's the feeling of being unattractive, and that's impossible with those golden locks of yours. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because it's only for people in England. <laughs> also, rotten teeth could be. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, shout out, you know, England, proud pod sponsor of the podcast. Thank you. I love. Um, what about what about ants? No, never knew that one either. You know, something's irritating you. Something small is happening that could become a bigger problem over time. Ants are strong as hell. Ants are very strong. They, they could. I heard they could lift a picnic table. <laughs> yeah, or with at least a picnic basket. <laughs> so, what about you know hair in dreams? I found this very offensive. Hair represents sexuality. 
Yeah. You know, which is pretty unfortunate for me that. That's why you do it under your nose. The dream symbol, the symbolic representation of sexuality is something I don't possess at all. That's great. So what about water? Just like dreams of water. So when I think of water, I think of dreams I might have had about water. And it's usually like being submerged or something like that. So that would be like kind of feeling a lot of pressure. Dude, your dreams are all a bummer. Oh my, <laughs> they are. They really, they really are. Yeah. Like when I think, when you think of water, it's supposed to be like this big lofty goal. Like, like you should aim oh. high because it's so vast, you know? Oh wait, there's like positive dreams. Yeah. Because you've got <laughs> oh, to wow. listen, Dave, it does like the, you have the dream and then you get to decipher your own subconscious and it's either positive or negative. That choice is up to you, buddy. So I, instead of that, I just learned how to like my really negative dreams. That's right. <laughs> I didn't know you're, that you dude, your, your punches are so soft because you're a loving figure and you're yeah. a gentle person who is very, you take God, care of people. You don't more. <laughs> Have you had flying dreams? No, I'm afraid of heights, dude. That's so funny that you say that <laughs> because everyone was talking about, well, everyone, the things that I read were saying that, you know, dreams are this freeing, like it's a positive dream and it's just like the supposed, supposed to be this best feeling. And I'm like, I would never want to have a dream like that because I'm terrified of heights. To me, that's the ultimate nightmare. I'll yeah, have a dream exactly. Um, I'm flying and then I crash and then I'm submerged in water. That would be my dream. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm also- And then there's a bunch of sharks of... coming around and you just give them a baby, bunch of baby punches. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just very afraid of like getting submerged in water. So that's like not- Really? Me. That's more scary than sharks to me, probably. Honestly, I think we need to go do some exposure at the beach. Oh, hell no. What are you talking about? Dude, I'll keep my fears. Okay. <laughs> They're not that enough. impactful in my life. You know, fair enough. All right. So naked in public? Nah, I wish. Okay. Well, you know, that would be a fear of judgment. Apparently you're not afraid of that. Failing a test? Mm, no. Never? I don't think I have, no. Okay. So have you ever had a... Okay, let me ask you this. This is changing the, the pace a little bit here because... Well, before I say this one, sex dreams... Uh, we've all had a sex dream. Do you know that represents loneliness? Ah, no, that's <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting, right? That is interesting. Yeah. I've, I've been a lonely boy sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, it's uh for me, the dream, like you say, my, my most common dream is the I can't really I'm inadequate, right? I can't move yeah. that fast. Yeah. So that's a recurring dream for me. And when we have a recurring dream that is essentially our subconscious screaming out to us to say, this is something that must be addressed. Yeah. And you're going to continue to have this dream until you do. Okay. So have you got any of those? Yeah. Like that when I was younger, definitely that inadequate type feeling and dreams for a while, I was getting a lot of the being chased dreams. Freddy Krueger has appeared in a ton of my dreams. Like, but you guys are like friends kind of. No, no, no. I'm trying to like, the idea of something um, being able to control my dreams, because that's what Freddie does. He controls dreams. Oh. So that kind of leaks into my dreams at times. But I don't know if it's just because I really, it, like, he seems, like, obvious to me because he's, like, my favorite. So I'm like, is that is it he just symbolic of something that is terrifying to me and that's why he appears or is there more i don't know so but like yeah those are kind of the themes and then i don't i haven't been dreaming a ton so i i don't have any like recent dreams i can really even like analyze right now well let me tell you this 
starting today, every time we do a podcast or research um, something, it shows up in therapy, right? It shows up with our people. And I noticed today, and I don't know how ethical this is, but I like talking about dreams with people in the session because it provides you with this ability to help them, but seemingly indirectly. It's almost like I've, I, you know, we don't like to give advice, but this is a sort of a hack to give advice. So you, you have them tell you that the dream, and then maybe they're like in an abusive relationship and you're like, Hmm, this is the way I'm interpreting this dream, but it's, you know, I want you to, you're either on board with me or not. And it's like, maybe this dream is saying something about this relationship is coming to an end or needs to come to an end or is, or is dangerous for you. Like, do you agree with that? What do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Like, I think that's how we could use dreams in session. And, and I used it a couple of times today and I think I kind of like it. Is that a good? I, I think the way that you're phrasing it sounds rather suggestive. Mm. I think if you're approaching it more from a non-judgmental, like this is my take on a dream, like how did, where does that land and how you see it? Maybe that would sound less suggestive, but still yeah. I think it's important to discuss things like that. Like I, I definitely have had sessions where someone has come in and had like this dream that they found to be very impactful or just, or maybe it was bothering them. And similar to what you said, like done some of that work, like this is kind of where I'm like, this is kind of my take on this. Like what, yeah. how do you, how does that fit with like maybe what's going on for you or how does that fit in kind of the realm of this other conversation we had of like a real thing in your relationship or something like that. But yeah, no, I, I agree. I think it's a good way to get them talking because it fits into like what we were talking about earlier with its imagery mm-hmm. to explain a theme. And that's, isn't that like what we're kind of hoping for is to get somebody to like grasp a theme that we're trying and without like always having to lay it out there for them. Like if somebody sees a thing and they're able to kind of see it in images it helps them understand it rather than us just speaking words. I know you it, love to speak words, but like also uh, isn't it great when you have like an image that you can give them along with those. Oh, hundred percent. And I think that idea of sort of understanding that we, we all kind of already know the answer to our problems. Yeah. We just don't really want to face them. And we'd like someone else to help us with that. And maybe if we can, maybe like through the dreams or through interpreting, you know, the imagery in your dreams, you can help people find these things a little bit easier. So, you know, anybody can, you know, find things that they need to work on about themselves and using dreams as a framework for that is kind of a fun way to do it. I think people like it. And I think if someone's going to talk about their dream, they probably already have their own thoughts about it that they maybe haven't shared with you because they want to hear what you're going to say about Mm -hmm. it. And I do feel like if somebody comes in willing and wanting to talk about it, they're genuinely interested to hear your words about it. And yeah. like they, they kind of want to hear that, that connection that you're about to make. Like, so it means something to them. Like nobody comes yeah. in and tells you a dream and says, Oh yeah, good, good theory, bro. And then like moves on onto something else. No, they want to talk about it. They really want to hear about yeah, it. Yeah. But isn't that so interesting? And Freud always like in the, in the book, there's a picture of an iceberg and on the top of the iceberg is your conscious mind. And then below, obviously we all know how icebergs work, yeah, like below the surface, that's your subconscious. So it's so interesting that someone can come in and be like, Hey, these are the thoughts that I'm having. These are the images that I see when I go to sleep. 
what do you think's going on with me? Like, it's so interesting that you could, you kind of have to learn yourself through the symbols that your brain's showing you. Yeah. I think that I find that so interesting. The I, I also, like a new I, I mean, not that I, not that I want to like tell like people that, that we're not needed. Cause I, I think our profession is needed, but like, also this is what Good. people can do on their own. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's helpful to bounce ideas off another person. And that's where this is more helpful. I think to, to present it to your therapist, if you, if you have one and say like, Hey, what is, what does this mean to you? Well, what do you think about this can kind of in the context of the things that we've discussed in sessions? I think that's great to bounce things off because it, it's one thing when you connect it, but it also like someone might be able to bring a different light to it or a different perspective. Greg, the only thing I wanted to go back on and cause I kind of like, uh, when you were talking about like your, the first way of like how it's like a way for us to also be able to uh, guide someone to certain decisions. Like, obviously we don't want to tell someone what to do, but sometimes but, like the reason why I, I get leery about that. And, you know, I know that you watched the show shrinking. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought it up. And it's that, it's that woman, that female character who's constantly complaining about her terrible relationship. And Jason Siegel gets so sick of hearing the same thing week after week after week. And one day he just has this break and he tells her, just break up with him or I'm not going to see you anymore. He basically gives her an ultimatum. Like, obviously, I know you're not saying an ultimatum. You're kind of just saying it's a way to guide someone. But sometimes people, <laughs> there are some people who genuinely just want the space to talk about the problem and have no intention to actually make the action. A hundred percent. And when you actually go as far as to tell someone to do it or say, this is what I would do. It's that I feel like that can really potentially damage the relationship, the therapeutic relationship. Yeah. And you don't want to make them feel like they might, on you, but also you don't want them to also feel guilty if they don't do it. And then they right. might, they might lie or they but might. I, but then I think there is again. a flip side to that though. I do think that on some level, people do want advice. I, oh, I really people ask do, for advice all the time. Yeah. yeah like I do think that there's, I, you know, when when you're like in training, they make it very clear that uh, advice giving is not something that we do. That's just not true. In a sense, we are giving advice all the time. Don't you think? We're making suggestions on how to change their thinking, how to change their behaviors. That's advice. All right. Sure. I can wrap my head around that thought. Okay. I, I do think it's a slippery slope. I do think it's very, very touchy as far it as is. where would be a good place to offer a piece of advice if someone is genuinely asking for it. I think it's very important to not give advice if someone's not asking for it. Listen, Dave, I don't think people even know how controversial I'm being right now. Like if you're being not very field, controversial, I'm in, being kind of on the realm of, edge of this stuff. The you know realm I mean? of the therapist ethics, yeah. which as you know. I tend to like try to yeah. make sure I'm always abiding by because I do think they're there for a reason. And I, I have to believe the reason is the mistakes of people prior to us. No, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that's where I'm like, you know, it's there for a reason, you know, but therapy's obviously- bad boy though. That's what people don't know. <laughs> sure. Sure. Greg, you never call me that. Okay. Never. Maybe. Okay. I think I've called you. No. Nah. <laughs> Never mind. Hey, keep that in the subconscious, all right? Yeah, that will come out of my Let's dream. Let's leave that for interpretation. When you're delivering newspapers with your old timey clothes on, <laughs> I'll be like, yep, that was what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs>
Biden would another, another another dig on my hat, covering up my lack of sexuality. <laughs> no, I just, I always associate that the golf style hats with two things. Okay, New, Newsies and and Pepe hats because my Pepe always wore. Oh like yeah, like, hat. I always see like a meme being like, oh, if you're wearing this hat, you're the worst person ever, and it's like, okay, cool. oh, I, I did not say that. Newsies are fine. They <laughs> there's always the, there's always either a meme about that or a mustache, and it's like they're never good. You know, you basically essentially took the two things that you saw memes Double about. Down. Like, I'm taking it. I'm doing it. <laughs> That's me. This is my identity. <laughs> you did not wear um, just a mustache when I met you. You did not wear the newsy hat and the mustache when I met you. You made a conscious choice at one point to do that. You're right. I used to have thought the memes. Memes. All right, we're getting off track here. What am I talking? What am I talking? Okay, about? but I'll tell you what. Oh, so I guess this, I thought this was going to be a bigger question for you or like a bigger argument or discussion, however you want to frame it. So you really do believe that these images and symbols that pop up in our dreams have genuine meaning, or do you think we make meaning of them? No, I actually do think these are things that are mulling around in our brain. I guess you would say our subconscious, mm-hmm. but sometimes I almost feel they can be in our for or the forefront of our consciousness. And I do feel like those sometimes come out in imagery in our brain. Maybe, maybe it's a mix of Freud and it's a mix of young. Cause I do think at times they help us decode what's going on, maybe figure out, maybe help us move on. Sometimes it's almost like it highlights how important or stressed out I am about a certain thing. I've definitely had that happen where I'm like, damn, that must be really bothering me because it just came out of my dream. Or I had this thought about somebody, like maybe somebody from my past, maybe it's an old friend that I had a falling out with or something and they show up in my dream. And suddenly, like, obviously I know it's because I was thinking about that person earlier when I wake up and I'm like thinking about the dream, but it's like for them to make it into my dream, means it was probably more than just a fleeting thought. What about the idea that just the mental processes, like there's a lot of weird stuff going on in your brain when you're awake, right? And you kind of get tangled up to it. You you push it back. You mess with it with your, your conscious mind all throughout the day. And then when you go to sleep, maybe those same processes just continue and your conscious mind isn't active anymore so that like the weird stuff that's in the rest of your brain just continues to float around and we just see it i mean why not right possibly are you a daydreamer uh, not lately but i have been known to dabble yeah you know i am am. and the difference with daydreams and regular dreams is you have so much more control obviously over daydreams you're dictating it's like you're telling a story in your head right are they considered a dream though are you just lost in thoughts yeah I don't know. I don't know either. But with dreams, you clearly aren't in the director's seat. Something else is. And like you said, I think it's like your brain just kind of coming up with all the all the stuff that's kind of going on in your life at that time. Mm. It is. Honestly, it's like one of those things that are still not completely understood. So how many things in science are still a mystery? And dreams are a mystery. Three. There's no, there's no real hard evidence that they have meaning or they don't. Yep, I think it's cool. one of the three things in science that they haven't made. They have. What are the other ones? Yeah. Like um, nobody knows. Okay, only scientists. Right. Like salamanders, probably. You're not a scientist, dude. 
give it up. For people who are dealing with grief, a common thing is a visitation dream. It gives you closure. Tell me that doesn't have meaning. Yeah. You know? I think what the conclusion that we're coming to here is whether it's conscious, whether it's subconscious, or whether it's random, whether it has meaning or doesn't have meaning, it is a tool that we, we can use. We can extract meaning from it, whether even if meaning didn't exist, we can help. We can use it to help us get through situations or move past situations. We can also just find it super fun and interesting. And it's like something, it can be a talking piece at times. And it gets other people thinking. It's a way. It just represents that constant need for human beings to find meaning to find purpose, to understand why we're here. You know, Jung even thought that dreams were the basis for all mythology. Yeah. Like when you go to sleep, you they figured out, like you, you went to sleep thinking, the primitive, you know, obviously like yeah, people yeah. a long time ago went to sleep not understanding why we were here. What were we doing here? What are we supposed to be doing? And they're sub- they interpreted whatever their subconscious was telling them and it sort of made these stories. I think it's, I think it's a very interesting topic. And again, these are reasons that kind of draw me to this conclusion that they are real thing. Like our dreams are based on real things that our brain is experiencing. It's so, you know, what I, what that just made me think of is I can't tell you how many times I'm just about to fall asleep and suddenly I get the best ideas. Mm -hmm. I get like an idea for something I want to do in session the next day with my a patient that I know I have. I get an idea of something I want to do. Like I want to write this thing. Cause I, you know, I just, I'm like, this is going to be awesome. Or I get this idea for some project I want to do. So our brain, even right before we're about to fall asleep, our brain is going. So why would it just turn off just because now we're in, asleep, you know? I don't know. And it, it's almost like our conscious mind gets in the way of some of these great ideas. And maybe that's what the, that's what's going on with, you know, the ayahuasca, like we talked about and, you know, drugs. It's like, it's a way to get, it's a way to like tap into the dream world. Do you, do you believe that we don't utilize our full brain? Like, you know, you ever hear people say that we only use like this, this much capacity of our brain and other, there's other parts of our brain that can do like, telepathy or whatever do you believe all of that stuff <laughs> kind of yeah yeah you believe that there's like oh a dude part of our brain that's remember the iceberg to... your conscious mind is a tiny piece the part of your brain you're actually using is so small compared to the rest of it yeah but i mean but then again that part so the part that you're using is the so, most evolved part so it's so naive for us to think that dreams aren't representative of our brain just continuing its thinking process while we're asleep yeah, we just don't. That's what I think. Yeah, that's part of what I think. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so we did not figure anything out, but what what we hope we you're going to do is go out and get yourself a dream dictionary, dig in a little bit, you know, get yourself a notebook, pop that thing next to the bed, write these things down, and, and maybe ask yourself, well, what did that mean, if anything? Yeah. It's a it's a good process. It's like learning yourself. The uh, the rest of yourself. Uh, real quick, any favorite pop culture references to dreams? You know, I didn't even think. I guess like that movie that you love, I'll give you credit for. Is that you know, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? That's a great, um, very dream surreal type stuff. 
all your Freddie stuff. That's good stuff. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really even think of a pop culture angle on this. I would need a little more time on that. Yeah. Uh, Freddie definitely, like I said, is like very heavy into the dreams, which is why I was always drawn to him. Cause it's that one place where you feel like you should be safe. But when somebody like that were to just immerse himself, you are no longer have control. Well, and I guess we're, it's a very vulnerable place to be. Yeah. Because yeah. you're paralyzed, essentially. I mean, you are paralyzed. While you're dreaming, you're paralyzed. And the, the rational part of your brain is disconnected. That's a wild place to be. Yeah. You think about it. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Part three, the dream warriors, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. So it, it's a lot of Freddy in this one. <laughs> there's, uh, you know, they, they're in a, a mental hospital. And the individuals there all have their dream warrior alter egos. So it's it's a lot of like in their dreams, they're this alternate version of themselves that's like got these superpowers that they lack in real life. So it's like a kid in a wheelchair, but he's like a wizard kid, and you know, and like there's all they all these different and but he but Freddie comes into all their dreams and obviously he's able to counter their their even them at their most powerful. So that's like kind of a terrifying thing. Like it is even that dream warrior version of yourself is vulnerable in your dreams. And if you're really interested to see how terrifying dreams can be, check out our sudden unexplained nocturnal death syndrome episode. Yeah. Cause that was a scary one. You know, you die in your dreams. Of- yeah. Yeah, no, you absolutely can. And it's, it's interesting too, because like, where does that fit into this whole topic about dream interpretation? Like, I wonder if in that culture, there is any uh, insight into dream ter- interpretation and if that would be helpful for those individuals because, because of their strong cultural tie yeah. to that folklore and how that has scary that is. I wonder if this would be a dream interpretation would actually be helpful for them. I, I wonder, you know, you'd almost have to like, because there's like a dream demon, you'd have to like create with them like a new entity, maybe rewrite that and go yeah. back in with that sort right. of in your subconscious. So yeah, I mean, interesting stuff. So yeah, thanks for doing this one with me, Dave, whatever the next one is, will be on you. Do you know the song by Roy Orbison in dreams? No. Haunting. Really? Roy Orbison is awesome. But I love Roy Orbison too. In Dreams is a haunting song. I'm going to download it. I'm more of like a pretty woman. Anything you want, you got it kind of yeah, guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, crying, traveling woolberries. Okay. You know, the, uh, David Lynch is another individual who dabbles a lot with dreams. So for people who like films about dreams and kind of like, a lot of his movie concepts are based on dreams he had. Hmm. And that's why so many of his films are so hard. It's watching a David Lynch film. So for example, for people who are interested, Mulholland Drive is like a fever dream. So it, when you watch that, you're actually, you sit back and you're like, what the hell did I just witness? And you sit back and you try to decode the meaning of things. I love that. I love, so I actually do really enjoy dreams and the idea of interpreting them. And I also love like art that kind of mimics dreams, I think. See, now I can't believe I'm extending this, but what I think 
I dislike about certain shows, maybe like Sopranos, for example, or any show where they start to do like a dream sequence, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. So David Lynch is not dream sequence. Okay. His is like, this is supposed to be the reality that the people are living in, but it's like just so bizarre that it's like, okay. it's, like it's Twin Peaks dream. kind of thing. He is Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Well, him and Mark Frost were Twin Peaks, but it's like his films are even more bizarre. Like if you saw the Twin Peaks movie Firewalk with me, like that's, he was yeah. seven, right? Seven? No, no. That's, I think that's Bruckner now or Fincher, David Fincher. Oh, yeah. Fincher. Um, Another David. Yeah. People should check out David Lynch films, though, if they are interested in that kind of surreal, dreamlike feel. So, yeah. Cool. All right. All right. All right. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you found dreams and dream interpretation and all this good stuff. Hopefully you found this helpful, interesting, all the above. Please feel free to chime in and let us know your feedback about dreams and your thoughts about them. And also just your feedback in general, like we always say. Can we get a review, please? Love to see a review. Also just like, you know, sending us your thoughts. Um, I have received this week some thoughts about recent episodes. A lot of people kind of expressing that sadness over the Beth Thomas case, which, you know, we totally acknowledged in that episode. That was like a pretty heavy topic, but the topic also felt very important. So, you know, I appreciate people who have kind of chimed in about that and also about some of our previous episodes. So thank you guys all for listening. We'll be back next week. Have a great night, day, morning, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Later.